My goal is always for the students to be able to balance that financial responsibility with their academic success. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Majeur, Associate Vice Chancellor for Finance and Fiscal Services at Alamo Colleges District about her journey to improve account services resulting in student success. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, that is great. And I know your experience with finance and higher ed and TouchNet is very extensive. Before we dive in, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? So I was born and raised in Michigan. I went to Central Michigan University. I earned my uh, bachelor's and subsequently my master's there. I started my career in state government. I had 25 years with the Office of the Auditor General. And then I moved over to higher education. In 2014, I went to Lansing Community College and I was there for seven and a half years as the controller. And in 2000. 22, I came here to Alamo Colleges to serve as the Associate Vice Chancellor for Finance and Fiscal Services. That's awesome. You know, once you're in higher ed, it sucks you in. You want to keep going, don't you? <laughs> it does. And it really um, has has been a great career mode. It's awesome. Yeah, I love the higher ed community for sure. And so now that you're at Alamo Colleges District, can you tell us just a little bit about that system and the colleges that you serve? So, the system is made up of five um, separately, independently accredited um, institutions, colleges. We have over 69,000 students taking almost 500,000 um, credit hours. And the institution is known for its excellence in performance and leadership. We are the Malcolm Baldridge Award winners for quality. Um, we are a leader college of a distinction for achieving the dream. We've won the Aspen Prize. Uh, we have uh, HBCU College, and all five of our colleges are also is designated as a Hispanic serving institution. So quite a diverse set of colleges. That is awesome, and it sounds like a great place to be for sure. As a matter of fact, I'm excited because we're going to be in your backyard for ComTech next year. Yes, and we are excited because we'll be able to send uh, more people than we normally do, and um, more people get to take advantage of ComTech and have what it has to offer. That is awesome. That is so great. So, well, today I really want to kind of dip into your journey through a couple of the institutions, you know, where you've been and how you've really impacted change across campus. You have this great experience. So let's kind of step back in time at the beginning and talk about when you were at Lansing Community College. So let's just talk a little bit about, um, you know, what student finance was like and uh, what you did when you managed it back then. So when I came to higher education after 25 years in government, you know, one of the first things I noticed was that our students had to go to all these different systems to interact with the um, student finance office for their payments, for their refunds. Um, and so, you know, we really wanted to, I, I wanted to consolidate and right. make it easier on the student. And so that not only did we as an institution have to deal with so many different systems, but then the students only had one system that they were looking at and working with to make it easier on their journey. 
Absolutely. I know a lot of times, you know, we talk about simplifying. And so a lot of times what that really means is unifying. And it sounds like you had the same question in terms of why are we making this so difficult? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I did. So, you know, obviously when I got there, I had a lot to learn. I hadn't been in higher education, but um, quickly got my feet wet. And so one of the first things I did is look at how do we bring all of these systems together, Uh, went out and found some resources and started putting an RFP together Mm -hmm. that would allow us to bring we already had touched up for online payments. Okay. And so we wanted, I wanted something that was the same for everything. So I wanted a refund that was going to be able to do the online payments and the marketplace that we already had, plus add in refunds, payment plans, and cashiering and get it all together, get rid of, get rid of, get away from those disparate systems. Right. Um, and at that time, that was the same time that Title IV was changing some right. of its refunding. And so our refund provider was not going to be able to service our students any longer with, with their model of business. Okay. And so we did. We released the RFP. We, we got some responses. We did um, vendor interviews. And at that time, which would have been back in 2014, TouchNet really was the most advanced company in all of the areas. Some of them kind of had their specialty and were just starting to delve into those other areas. But TouchNet was pretty, pretty evolved already in everything. And so we had a very large uh, evaluation committee and TouchNet was chosen as the provider to move forward with at that time. That's great. Well, and I think too, when you think about unifying, you know, obviously you went in for how do we make this, you know, easier for our students. But at the end of the day, it really makes it easier for you and your staff too, doesn't it? It does. Because when we are onboarding a new staff member, we're not teaching them three different platforms plus everything else. We're teaching them that platform. And we did have a head start because we had we were already a customer of TouchNet, so right. we had an idea of the interfaces and how things work, and um, so that did help. But yeah, besides streamlining for the student, and also made it much easier for the staff. I bet so. Not thinking about you know when you did have to change and in a lot of times um, reporting and kind of even pulling some of the administrative pieces. It sounds like that you were able to really unify a lot of that too, weren't you? Right. So because our staff already had touched that, you know, we were, they were involved right from the start. You know, they were part of the evaluation of the RFP and then the onboarding and training and bringing the systems up. Um, They were heavily involved in all of the training and the work that was done to familiarize themselves. But then also on the back end of all of the different modules that TouchNet has, lots of reporting that can be pulled. canned reports, you can make your own reports, you know, um, really, really pretty easy. Even me as an administrator (laughs) at the top level (laughs) could go in and say, I want to, I want to see this. And I could pretty easily find the report that I needed to find without, without having to bug my student finance staff too bad. And of course, when you have all that automation, it really reduces a lot of manual work. Um, And then when you tie that in also with looking at downloads from or banner school, plus the reports and do some, you know, B lookups and matches, you can really get pretty powerful with what you're looking at. And uh, so it was, that was a big part of being able to be 
make this successful is to utilize all those tools that that came with the package. Right. That that makes a lot of sense. And so it sounds like definitely for your staff, you were you simplify their world. But, you know, what are some of the game changers that you had for students as well by being able to have really this unified services for them? Well, the biggest one was they only had to navigate one system. Right. They logged in and they were in touch that. So they could do their refund preference. They could sign up for their payment plan. They could do their online payment. So they weren't having to have three different accounts, three different logins for each of those main services that are front facing to the students. And it also provided us, and we'll get into a little bit later, but it also provided us with the ability for them to, um, for us to offer them um, better options on their payment plans. That's really important too, because, you know, first off, like you said, in today's world, all these logins and passwords and you have to change it every 30 days and it has to be 87,000 characters now or whatever it is. <laughs> Having just one central place to go and one login has to make life so much easier for everybody. Very much. Yeah. And then coupling that with, you got to have options today for payments and there's not a one size fits all. So let's kind of talk a little bit now about those payment plans and maybe some of those options that you were able to give students. So one of the first ones and the most popular that we that we implemented was the biweekly payment plan. Okay. Um, students really liked that. It spread the payments out. It matched up with a lot of paychecks. Right. And, you know, instead of having to come up with one big monthly payment, it they were still paying the same, but it really it, it made them feel like they could manage their their balance much easier. Um, we also use what we call a, the offline payment plan, which really is online and right. is through that payment plans, but it's specific to that student based on okay. what is their past due balance, what we have, we agreed with them. A lot of times we would say, if you complete this and this and are successful, you know, we'll forgive this part of the balance. Okay. And so we would do a lot of that. So we did a lot of that, what we called offline payment plans. Right. Um, we created specific payment plans for financial aid students. Okay. So if they had financial aid, but it wasn't enough to cover their balance, it started later in the semester after financial aid was fully awarded. Right. And then it picked up what that balance was. So for those financial aid students, they weren't having to come up with a down payment and payments early in the semester, they right. could wait to see what their final financial aid package is. Because as you know, as students drop in ag classes yes. and do different things, their financial aid goes up and down depending on cost of attendance and all that. So that was that was very helpful for the financial aid students. And just allowing all those different options, we also had um, options for our veteran students, okay. for our um for our students in the adult resource center, a lot of those were that had childcare scholarship and Perkins money and things like that. So we really were able to offer a really wide menu of payment plans to varying populations of students. That's really great. And it probably, you know, helped them to feel like you understood them and you, you knew them like just, uh, I love the biweekly payment plans because they're like, okay, you get it. I can pay you when I get paid. I can't pay you one big lump sum at the beginning of the month because I don't have all of my money yet, for instance, or 
or knowing that I'm a certain, you know, I'm going to nursing school, if I'm a veteran, that my program is a little bit different. And so I need to have a, a really a custom tailored plan for them. So I can see how that was really impactful. Yep. And, you know, one of my biggest things when I came to higher education was I wanted my goal is always for my student, for the students to be able to balance that financial responsibility with their academic success. Right. And, you know, the student, they have, they have to take responsibility that, you know, education costs, but we don't want to be the barrier to that. We want to be able right. to work with them and help them. And it, it's actually funny. I just told the story the other day because my boss just retired. And right. uh, so at her going away, when I moved to higher education, and that's why it was so impactful for me, because I was that student. Right. I was the student who had to take a semester off, work three jobs, get okay. a bunch of money, and be able to go back again. I was that struggling student. Yeah. But I persevered, and I kept going, and I've paid all my bills. <laughs> so I want, I want the students that I can help now to be able to be successful. And I can, even though I'm not in the front line facing the students, I feel I can have an impact on the students and their success, both financially and academically. I love that. And you're absolutely right. When, you, when you've experienced it yourself, I remember as well, waiting for the financial aid. I always said I ate two times a year. That was during refund uh, day. Uh, you go to the grocery store when you get your refund check twice a year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's that's really great. So kind of just wrapping up your time at Lansing, uh, what would you say was the biggest impact that you really felt? Um, I, you know, I'm going to say it was that it was letting our students have more options. We had a very close relationship with the financial aid office. We okay. worked together on the plans. And I really do feel like we impacted and helped our students. That's wonderful. So but today. Now, um, you, you know, you've been gone there for a while. You had a lot of lessons that you learned and implemented some great programs. And so, uh, and you moved far away to Texas and Alamo Colleges District. So that's quite the change, huh? Uh, yeah, just, you know, a mere 1,500 miles and <laughs> about, I don't even, let's see, uh, 80, 90 degrees to, you know, we're at what, 66 plus 100 degree or more days. <laughs> But that's okay because in the in the winter, I I, I very much enjoy the weather. I was so, say, you're happy uh, where you landed. <laughs> I'm happy where I landed. And I was fortunate because I went from a TouchNet banner school to a TouchNet banner school. So I didn't have that learning curve. Well, that is great. Yeah, like you said, at least you had some familiarity and being able to have that. But talk about timing and change. So while you had a couple systems that you knew... It was 2022. And so when you transitioned, we're all coming out of this major disruption from the pandemic. And so what did you see as really the major challenges facing Alavo now that you're there? So when I came and we continue right now, we have a very large accounts receivable balance okay. um, because of the conditions that were created um, with COVID. Um, we have not put holds on student accounts since 2020. Okay. Um we were looking at, you know, how are we going to start doing that again and getting that, again, getting back to that balance between financial right. responsibility and, and academic success. But, um, you know, what I found was that while they had all the 
bells and whistles of TouchNet. They had the full suite. Um, really weren't utilizing them to their the extent that they could. Okay. And so that's where we started looking at, you know, what are some immediate changes we can work with? What can we do um, to change things? And once again, my mantra, help the student. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's probably typical of a lot of software packages that people buy. You maybe use 20% of the functionality. So let's think about that and say, okay, so now that you say you have the system, but what are some best practices that we're not doing? What are some of those changes that you did you know, do immediately? So one of the first things I found out was that if a student had a past due uh, balance, the payment they were making on their payment plan for that semester was not going to that semester. It was going to their past due payment plan, payment uh, amount. And to me, that wasn't right. They were signing up for a payment plan for that term. It should have been going to that term. And we need to address the past due balance separately and work with the students separately. We want them to be able to continue through. Um, There were some roadblocks that we weren't letting students enroll in a payment plan, but if we weren't putting holds on their accounts, why were we stopping them? So we needed to um, address that. They only had two payment plan options. Okay. It was very strict. The payments weren't tenable for the students so that, you know, they would sign up for them, but they would fail out of them most of the time because couldn't do them. And um, we obviously have expanded those. We continue to work on that expansion. Um, but again, we want to give them options and flexibility and it's increased enrollments and payment plans. It's increased the success rate of the, of the payment plans and it's helping our students get their educational goals. That's wonderful. Yeah. I can see if I'm going to given two choices or maybe even a all or nothing. And I feel like, well, I don't think either one of those is going to help. And maybe they even go into further debt potentially on a credit card or a loan where something as simple as giving more payment plan options could really help the students get what they really need, which is let me just get through, make the payments and succeed. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. That is that is great. So kind of, you know, when you're looking at the you know outstanding past due balances and I totally understand there is. It made sense at the time. There's no holds. Keep going. But now that's put you into, you know, a different situation. So what are you considering as you're kind of looking at how to deal with these outstanding past due balances? So we're kind of classifying them into different uh, kind of buckets. And we're looking at doing um, some kind of fresh start program okay. for, for re- recent still enrolled students. Um, we're looking at, you know, if they're really old and what the balance is, we might just write those off. Um, And then there's going to be that pack of students that we want to do direct outreach to, see if we can get them into what I call my offline payment plans. Right. There's a difficult term for that, Heather, but I don't know what it is. But, um, (laughs) But if we can get them in that and, and, and get them working towards it, And again, using that incentive that, you know, if you complete this many credits, we'll forgive this percentage of the balance because not only does that help our AAR, but it helps them. Right. And um, our chancellor, our moonshot here at Alamo Colleges is um, to eliminate poverty through education. 
Okay. And so that's a driving force of our board of trustees and our chancellor. So this is one step that can help them because if we can get them their certificate or their degree or whatever they need um, and keep them moving through school, then that goes to, to that moonshot. And so, um, you know, we're working on that. We're working on how we're going to address this very large past due balance that's accumulated because of COVID. Right. Um, and, you know, we are, we will be resuming holds um, once we kind of figure it all out sure. and communicate to the students and that. But again, because we really are amping up our use of the offline payment plans, um, resuming holds won't be as as much of a penalty to the student. That makes a lot of sense. And I re- I really love your positioning of the fresh start. And I think that will help students to also feel maybe not overwhelmed and how am I going to ever get there? And do I just need to drop out and forget this altogether? As opposed to, you know what, let's have a fresh start. Let's get you on the path to get that you know paid off so that you can move forward and actually graduate. I think that's a really great positioning. Yep. That's awesome. So, you know, this sounds like a lot of change in, quite frankly, a short amount of time. So what did you have to do to kind of get that internal buy-in? I'm sure there's a little education and maybe some proposals. So, yeah, you know, because of the way we're set up, um, the business office is central here at the district office, but each of the five colleges has a business office with an assistant bursary at it. Okay. And um, so these are things that have been talked about in leadership meetings, um, in meetings with the bursars, and with IT um, of what we can do, and you know how how can we implement this? And you know I'm always I'm always willing to listen for people who have suggestions. Right. Um, you know one of my fa- one thing that I've always for 18 months is why do we do it this way? Yes. And if there's a good reason why we do it that way, okay. But if it, you know, if not, you know, do we need to take a step back and look at the process and is there something we can do better? And, you know, we are a huge part of strategic enrollment management, um, financial aid and student finance. It's not just the academic and the admissions and the advising. Exactly. That's all part of strategic enrollment. It's it's the whole services that you offer the students, and so we um, always looking for how can we impact that and what can we do. And so, you know, I listen to my staff; they're on the front lines with the students. They know exactly. They know what the students are going through. Yeah, a lot of times it is. It's just that awareness and understanding. Sometimes as simple as what are the questions that you're being asked, and if the same questions getting asked over and over again. Obviously, we're not educating properly about it or it's not clear on how they can make payments or it's not clear what their options are or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So and that's why one of our big things is we are now embedded in all student orientations. Oh, that's great. If they take the orientation online, there is a piece that we've done for the online. Um, But if they do face to face, we are there and we have... uh, Close to 2,000 students had face-to-face orientation with over the summer wow. this year, um, and I, I don't have the count of how many online that that we've impacted. 
But what this does is it tells them who we are, what we can do for you, right? how to interact with our office to kind of take that scariness part away sure. that we're a partner with you. We're not the debt collector. Right. You know, we're, so um, it's had a huge impact. The college staff have been very happy with it. The students are very, and parents, if they attend, because they understand. They, they understand how they interact and how they do this and how they find information out and the different options of payment plans and how refunding works and, yeah. and that. It seems like a no-brainer and that that should absolutely always be part of orientation. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of schools and, and I hear a lot, oh, they don't want us in, you know, the orientation. It's like this uphill battle to have the student finance office or anything to do with payments or the business side um, to be approached during orientation. So how did you kind of get that seat at the table? So Alamo, um, we're very involved in the Franklin Covey practice of, um, 40X, okay. uh, four disciplines of execution. And every year we, we set the, um, our, our wig wild improvement goal. Okay. So this last year, our goal was orientation to get okay. into orientation. And so just like at LCC, we had to fight for a seat at the table yes. at orientation. It wasn't so much a fight here as it was just getting by yet okay. from um, the vice presidents at the five colleges. And we have a, a good relationship with the vice presidents of academic success and of college services okay. and even student success. And so when we explained what we wanted to do and what impact we thought it was going to be, we were able to get that buy in. We were able to present a case that showed we're going to help the student in the long run right. here. And so we were able to get that buy in. We were able to get the seat at the table and we took full advantage and ran with it and developed our orientation materials and we were, we were there. You know, that's awesome. And because when I think about that, you didn't have to just convince one person. I mean, you're talking five different schools. So your pitch had to go on five times and get buy-in across the board. So kudos to you, because I, I know from talking, like I said, to lots of different schools, that is certainly one of the bigger challenges. So that's great. So now that you accomplished that, what has the success been? What's it been like for the students? So, you know, it, it puts that positive face on the business office. We're building that partnership with the students, yes. um, teaching them that they do have a stake in their education um, as not just their academic, but in their financial. And um, that has just starting off on the positive foot. Um, you know, what we do, business office, working with the students, it's emotional because it's money. Right. And we understand that. So we want to start off on the good foot. We want to start off positive. And that's what these orientations are allowing us to do is we want to present ourselves as we are your partner in your success. And, um, and that's exactly what it has done. You know, it's great because you're also educating from the very beginning. These are life lessons. This is not just something that you don't have to just pay bills when you're in college. That's forever. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, that's a big life lesson there. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, I mean, you've already made significant changes already. Are there other kind of improvements that you're looking at too? You know, we're always 
we always want to look at what kind of improvements are there. And that's where, you know, if we don't step back and look at things, look at the overall picture and ask, why do we do it this way? Is there a better way to do it? Um, you know, I'm always keeping in mind that end goal of student success, both financially and academically. And we don't have any major initiatives coming right off the uh, right now because, you know, we just finished all of the work on the payment plans. Yeah. We um, changing some refunding processes and now the orientation, you know, and I do have a division of like five other departments. So <laughs> right. Right. Check on them for a little while. There but, you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, we just keep moving down that path. And as we find things that, hey, this will help us. That's when, you know, then we want to look at, okay, that's our next, that's our next wig. That's our next yes. wildly important goal that we want to set and how we want to impact our students. Yeah, I think that's great. And so you also touched on it's it's more than just the technology. So I think a lot of times there's maybe this um, perception that we go buy a new tool and then it just miraculously makes everything better. But generally, a tool comes with a change in process and education. And so just kind of thinking about people who are maybe looking at also wanting to simplify by unifying all their systems. Um, what advice do you have both from a technology and a process improvement side? So planning is huge and you really need to you really need to understand what is in process right now what works what do we need to improve on what is efficient what is not efficient right and then what tools are out there and you know is it time to look for a new tool is it time to look for um better technology that can help us better you know a system that has better reporting that allows better customer service, any of those things. But you have to first understand where you are and where you want to go. You need to get buy-in from your staff and your leadership so that you have support to get there. Yes. And, and then project planning and understanding it's not going to happen overnight. (laughs) Right. I am not the most patient person in the world. I will be the first to admit, and my son will probably tell you the same. Yeah. But, you know, I've been here for 18 months and I have, there has been some very substantial changes that have been made. Um, but the staff are energized yeah. because uh, they see the impact that it's having on their daily workload, on how they do their jobs and the tools that I'm bringing in that are helping. Um, but I also know that it doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, we, we just, we slow and steady right. wins the race, right? It really and does. That, that's what we're doing. And, um, you know, we continue, it's not just with the student facing, we're continuing other areas and finance, bringing in other tools that, um, are going to help. And so I, um, we have a dedicated technical staff that okay. does support um, finance and fiscal services, and they're kind of our tie-in to IT, and right. that really helps um, because I don't have time to manage a project like that. Sure, and I don't have the technical expertise to. You know, I'm usually know enough to be dangerous, right? right? <laughs> so, but I have I have a director of finance and fiscal services technical services who is certified in project management and is technical. And okay. so 
he manages that stuff and keeps me up to date on where things are and where they're going. And planning and project planning is probably the biggest advice that I can give. Know where you want to go yes. before you dive in. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, I liked hearing that your staff are still energized. And so you probably have to also make sure along the way, A, it's not going to happen overnight and celebrate the successes, even the small wins to keep people energized versus, oh, she has another project for me to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I do some different things for my staff here to to try to keep that energy up and and continue to show my support of them and how appreciative I am of all of all the hard work and everything that they do. And, um, you know, we, we call them power up Thursdays. Okay. And we have one tomorrow and it's just a chance to recognize staff for their outstanding work. And, um, it, it really, it's a great boost for the employees. That sounds really cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about power up Thursdays? I might have to join you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we do it once a month. We do it first Thursday of the month. Okay. And, um, I have a big coffee urn. I make a great big thing of coffee and I will, last month I baked cookies. Oh. This month I'm going to Panera and getting bagels, you know, just whatever. And then we recognize all the new employees okay. or any promotions that have happened. We recognize who has birthdays that month. We recognize who has service anniversaries and how many years of service they have to the college. Nice. And we do little raffles. Okay. Uh, so like we have a parking spot that we raffle off. So somebody has a dedicated parking spot for, you know, a certain amount of time yeah. or an extra gene day or okay. you know, just those little things that you can do um, for your staff that don't cost you anything. Exactly. And then, but then the big thing that we do is I send an email out saying power ups coming up, send me your nominations and then colleagues nominate each other. Okay. And and recognize the outstanding effort they're giving or a tough project that they got through or special help that they were given or anything like that. And so then we give the Power Up Awards and recognize them in front of everybody on on that Power Up Thursday. That is so cool. I have a feeling that our listeners might be having their own Power Up Day coming soon. <laughs> that so is so great. Half an hour. It's a, it's a yeah. break in the morning and, um, my staff love it. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Well, last year, last month they made me sing. That, oh. was, not, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are pushing me. <laughs> so they get a little say in what happens on power of Thursdays too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. We have learned so much today. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and really maximizing the financial technology tools that you have to really help support student success, which is what it's all about. Really, it really is. That is the end goal. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.